Rodgers has it. Gives to Franklin. He no, dies. No, I don't think no, he got it. I no, don't think he got out, it. The ball is out. The Bengals have scooped it up. Burrow bouncing in the pocket. His throw caught at the 10-yard line. He's nice, nice. straight into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals. It's a TD. Hello and welcome to episode 128 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that has new jerseys. Yes, it's a good day to be a Bengals fan. The club, uh, with much pomp and ceremony, launched their new uniforms. The first new uniforms for the Bengals in 17 years. And um, after much speculation, some leaks and some all sorts of stuff... Paul Brown Stadium was transformed into a jungle-like atmosphere uh, today. And we like to think that we are carrying on that feral jungle-like atmosphere in the hot room that is Cincinnati and wearing his tiger skin underpants on the other end of the line is Nathan Palmer. Hello, Nathan. How you doing, my son? Um, I hope we can keep that jungle-like atmosphere uh, today. And what an exciting day for the Bengals. Like you said, 17 years um, in the making of these jerseys. And so, so different to what you see, like, you know, for football and soccer over here where they're changing them every five minutes. So a big moment for the Bengals and very likely that these jerseys are the ones here to stay for the foreseeable future. Indeedy. And um, what did you think? Well, let's forget everything else. What did you think? I'm sipping a beer. It's a beautiful, sunny spring evening here in the UK. I have a beer on the go. I'm feeling rather pleasant. And um, I'm eager to know. What beer you got some? I have got some just bog standard San Miguel. That's all I've got. Yeah, fair enough. The old classic. The old classic. I like to roll on an old right, classic. Just, just so this is speak. a great bit. This is a great fact, actually. Which, you get, which country is San Miguel from? I'm going to say England. No, interesting you said. Most people say Spain. It's actually from the Philippines. Is it? Yeah, everyone like normally goes. Oh, yeah, it's from Spain, isn't it? It's from the Philippines. How do they go? What? Is it Spain? Isn't it? They're not step toes, son. Is it? <laughs> from Madrid, isn't it? <laughs> um, I like them. To, yeah, I really like them. They're they're certainly so much better than that extremely unflattering hanger eBay shot. Um, yeah. But more or less the same, though. So that leak was pretty accurate, you'd have to say. Yes, they were, especially with details like the Paul Brown signature on the back of the jersey and stuff like that. I mean, they're very minimal, aren't they? They're, they're not far off, just some orange, black and white jerseys with a tiny bit of detail on the shoulder. That's very much what they are. I like the Bengals wording on the front to replace the B. I think that's a nice move. Mm. Um, I like the side panels going. I think that looked a bit dated and I think it's nice to freshen them up in that perspective the colors look strong the color rush ones are always beautiful um i can't pick a favorite though i've been looking at them back and forth trying to sort of be like oh what which one's my favorite and i think it's the orange one and then i'm like oh no actually it's probably the black one and then i'm like well no but the color rush one's banging as well so it's going to be a hard pick for me to know which one to go with but they're all very strong. Do you know? Would you, would you tend to agree with that, Sam? I would. Uh, I I think I have to say the black one is my favourite, only because 
Well, actually, let, let's just rewind a sec. What I think they've done quite well, actually really well, to be fair, I mean, they harp on about the link between the historically great sides of the 80s and the uniforms they had then, which was pretty much solid blacks and solid whites with that kind of uh, tiger stripe strip down the shoulder or just off the shoulder. And I think they wanted to get back to somewhere near that. And I think they've done a really good job of connecting, you know, a modern NFL uniform with uh, those favourite uniforms uh, back in the day. So I take my hat off to them uh, for doing that because that's what they set out to achieve by the sounds of things. And that's what they have achieved, I think. Um, not I'm not hundred percent sold on the on the on the trousers I have to say but they might grow on me but in terms of color I wasn't a fan of the orange jerseys um, with the white side panels but I quite like the solid block of orange I have to say um, the color rush the original color rush jerseys cannot be beaten I don't think so the new color rush ones uh, or indeed if they are color rush I think they might be just a third alternate basically. Um, these days not sure about the i just quite like the starkness of the black and the white and they've got a little bit more orange around the outline around the numbers haven't they um so yeah i prefer the original color rush jerseys but i obviously love the white one but yeah it's the, and i i like the orange one because it's a solid block of color uh but i'd have to say it's the black all the way for me it's the black yeah, I'd probably go with you. I like the black. I think the, or the orange, I completely agree with you on comparing the old one. I think the, the orange one previously was the worst of the lot. Um, so I think they have done a good job turning that into something that's slightly more sellable. But they're all very strong. I think they've done a good job. They all look very, you know, they've connected them nicely. They've all got the same theme throughout. Um, and I just think, like, I think you said this a couple of episodes ago, with Nike and how they sort of approach jerseys, it is this very minimal style, you know, not reinventing the wheel, strong colours, little bit of detail. And I think the key thing the Bengals have done, and you've seen this with the reaction from the national press and other people, they've not done anything stupid. You know, they've not yeah, done no, anything right. that's been... Well, and, and I think that's the worry and the temptation, isn't it? You try and do something to sort of, you know, draw a bit of interest in, and actually it just looks shit. And the novelty wears off like you see it all the time like Inter Milan brought out a terrible um third or fourth kit Manchester United have done the same with some kits in the past that have just gone too far and just do a bit of a mess and get ridiculed and I think the last thing the Bengals would have needed is the media the national media on their back calling the jerseys clown jerseys and all the rest of it so they've absolutely not done that they're very professional sharp smart looking jerseys so Hats yeah. off to them. You know, they certainly reflect the times of the sort of the way that those types of jerseys are being designed now. So, yeah, I think you've got to, you know, you've got to take your hat off to the Bengals and their whoever's managing that internally. Yeah. Um, before we carry on with the, the, the chitter chatter on the Cincinnati about um, the new uniforms, let me tell you who's coming up. We've got Dave Lapham coming up, the man, the myth, the legend. Dave Lapham making his annual appearance. I think this is about sixth or seventh appearance, but that's fine because we love Dave, and uh, Dave is a marvellous guest, especially around draft time. And while the uh, the uniforms and the launch today have been actually pretty fantastic uh, uh, respite from the constant chatter about the draft, I mean the draft is only about a week and a half away, almost. Um, 
So Dave does a, always does a fantastic job of breaking things down. If you're undecided about where the Bengals should go or or have any uh, questions about players and whatnot, Dave's fantastic at that. So Dave will be coming up uh, shortly to talk about uh, the draft. Uh, but back to famously, the Bengals. Famously accurate Dave Lapham as well. He's been known in the past to sort of tip a few of the Bengals' picks. Back with Tyler Eifert. I remember one of the times we spoke to him, he was very, very um, complimentary and was sort of leaning towards Billy Price before, and that was obviously the Bengals' pick mm. back then. So definitely a man worth listening to when it comes to the draft. Well, I'd say definitely a man worth listening to at the best of times, but particularly... <laughs> Uh, around draft time so dave's coming up shortly but uh but back to the uniforms um they put on the ritz didn't they today they went for it it actually resembled a proper product launch uh, worthy of a global sporting franchise so hats off to the um i don't know if they hired anybody externally but uh, certainly the uh, internal social engagement team, the social team and the PR team for putting all that together. Uh, there was a lot going on at Paul Brown Stadium today. We spoke to our old friend Jim Foster who informed me that uh, there were queues outside the pro shop at 5.45am this morning, um, which was quite something, I think. And uh, they, they did it properly, as I say, you know, um, they've done... They provided a photo opportunity with the throne, which always gets fans going crazy. I've been to, as a journalist, been to quite a few launches of, you know, TV program launches, and they do that kind of thing where they have things that you can pose uh, along with. So that's something to engage people with. They had themed rooms, um, which people could go and have a walk around. Um, you know, they were, you know, they got a load of bloggers in and. You know, it actually resembled a proper, big, amazing thing, event. It felt like a proper event. So, yeah, hats off to them. And But more importantly, I think the, the uniforms look great. And, um, yeah, I, I was interested to hear what Elizabeth uh, was saying, that these uniforms have been three years in the making. That's quite interesting, isn't wow. it? And they actually, Nike went off and actually observed how tigers move apparently and did some sort of <laughs> slow-mo you making that up no it was on uh, good morning football today and because uh, that <laughs> Carl, Carl brown was wearing him he was saying apparently knight went off and observed did, went full attenborough and observed tigers and uh watched how they move and tried to replicate the stripes and how players you know all that kind of thing how the stripes would look on the on the players so they would mimic the way tigers move and all this and all that so obviously uh some pretty crazy stuff has got into this i think well there you go i remember you being you're working at nike and getting assigned that as your role like we're doing the jerseys for the cincinnati bengals son we need you to get on some videos or go down to Cincinnati Zoo and have a look at these tigers and see how they move and then incorporate that into the design. Like, wow. Gives a whole new meaning to your, your jersey purchase now, doesn't it? That when you're walking down the road with your jersey on, you're going to be mimicking the movements of a tiger. <laughs> well, I think we should all start uh, walking like tigers, maybe on all fours. That's the way to differentiate Bengals fans from now on. But um, 
Yeah. Just, just a quick one, Sam. Go on. I think you, you've probably seen this today. I saw you tweeting this out as you as you love to do. Obviously, the jersey's up on NFL UK now, one of the shops <laughs> yeah, um, we available even spoken to purchase. Say it again. We haven't even mentioned NFL UK's role in today's uh, proceedings, have we? Oh, what, the uh, first, uh, they were right there first, wouldn't they? So basically, they revealed the uniform about, from what I can see, about 10 minutes before the Bengals did. And I do wonder whether uh, they did, uh, or the Bengals at least saw that and thought, oh my God, we better get this out quick because it's out there now. So nice one, NFL UK, once again showing you showing off your uh, rank incompetence there, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it you'd was... be pretty. I mean, that's a pretty like serious error, isn't it? You got like one of the you know the massive sports league in the NFL. Bengals a very very big team, you know, worldwide. <laughs> Getting outdone by NFL UK of their own jersey. Oh, oh, oh like... someone's not played a blinder on that social team today. I think I genuinely yeah. I think they must have got the times mixed up because I've done it plenty of times before. As everyone knows, I'm a bit of a tit when it comes to time differences and whatnot. And uh, it's easy to do, but uh, I'm not uh, running a professional organisation that is supposed to be coordinated with 36 global sports franchises uh, oh. whose very existence... No, that's wrong. I was going to say whose very existence depends on this sort of thing, but of course it doesn't. But you know what I mean? Whose uh, strategies depend on this kind of thing, at least. So, yeah, a bit of a letdown, really, from NFL UK, but we're we're used to that over here now, aren't we? So uh, I, I do notice that that tweet has been taken down now. So um, Oh, has it? That's yeah, someone's yeah, got yeah, a right, yeah. right old bollocking today. Well, you imagine if, I mean, 10 minutes is one thing, because it wouldn't have gone, you know, out so quickly. But you imagine if that had gone out like three or four hours or something beforehand. I mean, that'd have been, <laughs> that'd been hell to pay, I think. But, I um, know, I know. but where, where I was going originally with that is Sorry, the sir. price has come out of 100 quid. Yeah. What, what, what do you take on that? I mean, 100 quid is 100 quid, and uh, it's expensive, isn't it, really? Um, and also, if you want to have uh, Jamie, uh, Jamie Rowe, who's already bought one, who's of a larger size shall we say, says it, it goes up in price the larger size that you want. I haven't checked that out personally yet. So. I've never seen that before, ever. That's mad. And, of course, if you want your name or a, a name and uh, a number put on, I'm not quite sure whether that's um, a little bit extra. So Jamie paid £120, which is, what, about $150, I want to say? Is that right? Yeah, about 150 150 160 yeah, you're about right. So it's not cheap. I mean, what would you pay for a Premier League uh, uh, shirt 70, over here? 70 quid, I'd say. Yeah, 60 so, quid, maybe. Yeah, 70 quid, maybe. So, uh, you know, that's quite a fair proportion less. So, yeah, I mean, they are expensive, aren't they? But then again, as you said, and as we've said before, uh, NFL teams don't change their kit every single year. This, no, that's true. This could well last for another 17 years. Who knows? You know, do you know what I mean? Um <laughs> But yeah. yeah, it is uh, for an initial outlay. It is quite expensive, I think. Well, yeah, I think a hundred. I mean, a hundred and twenty quid if you start going up the size chart feels to me a bit like. Oof. Do you know what I mean? Like that—that's more than anyone would realistically ever spend on an item of clothing, unless you're seriously knocking about for some, you know, some really fancy top end designer gear. So it does feel a little bit, you know what I mean, at the top end. But 
there we go. You know, man with some uh, disposable income like yourself, son, you'll have all three, wouldn't you? All different people on the back, bought in, like, you know, a custom Hirons one, <laughs> Burrow one. You know, you're going to have them all. Go. I'm just going to get every team member shirt. But I I don't know. I'm still umming and iron because, you know, you might have the number change in the next, what, month when, te- you know, teams are allowed to mess around with numbers and, so if you want a, a T Higgins shirt, he might go back to number five. Or uh, if yeah. you want a Jesse Bates shirt, he played number three when he was at Wake Forest. So don't know. It's going to be interesting. But I, you know me, I do like a vintage shirt. So it will take something extremely special for me to buy a uh, a new jersey. And I must say, some of those old Color Rush jerseys now. I mean, twenty four hours ago they were current but now they're old i mean you might be able to get some real proper bargains on ebay from uh yeah, yeah, yeah. or wherever uh who are from people who are trying to get rid of old stock so that might be worth having a little uh look at it's probably not what the bengals want to hear to be honest but <laughs> yeah forget the new jersey just go and buy loads of old cheap stuff you know um well i reckon you'd probably be able to pick up some of those old jerseys like for probably 30 40 quid you know what i mean i'd probably be some right bargain basement hunting going on for some you know even with you know if the player's still there i mean it's still nicely relevant isn't it so well i've got my um, i've got my eye on a geo shirt at some point i've never owned a geo shirt and he's always been one of yeah. my favorite players so um that might be yeah, I might do some. Go on, I might what? get the new jersey. Yes. And I might get Marvin Lewis on the back. <laughs> wow. M. Lewis 99. That's what I'm going to get. That is uh, connecting history with the present day, isn't it? I'm not sure whether they meant that uh, in the first place when they said that, but each to their own. They're customizable, aren't they? You could do what the hell you want with them, really. Um, so, yeah, the new jerseys. Anything to say about those, Nathan? I mean, lots of people looking rather cool and splendid in them outside Paul Brown Stadium, putting the photographs on Twitter. Uh, and, and they do look really good, I have to say. So, um, Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think like as it. we've said, we, we've said throughout the last couple of weeks in the off-season about how the Bengals have massively overhauled their marketing and PR strategy. And I think the jerseys are really the cherry on the top of that from, you know, all the various video content and images and designer stuff that's been knocking around to this. They've done a good job of it. And I think they've done a really, really good job of engaging the fans. You see a lot of, the, um, you know, people within the Bengals Twitter sphere today invited up to um, Paul Brown Stadium for for the unveiling and I think they've done a really good job of engaging people and um, really sort of trying to get bums back on seats for when Paul Brown Stadium does reopen because obviously on the field the performances over the last couple of years have not been up to par and I think that they've done you know that when the stadium hopefully does reopen at full capacity next year with Joe Burrow with the new jerseys with the new marketing team the video content all of that rolled into one I think they're going to have done a nice job of re-engaging with the city because it wasn't long ago that Bengals Twitter was just full of people wanting the team to leave Cincinnati and there was chatter about that and it was really ugly. Yeah, one state. person in particular, but who shan't be named. But um, yeah, it yeah. was it was it was really bad and like there was the stadium was probably barely half full at times and it was really felt like a very bleak place to be and I think. Not that the Bengals have won any games on the field to change that, really, but the, the the team as a whole. Like if you were to poll the Bengals today, or you know, in the next week or two, you you know, the top five pick coming up, so you're going to add a sexy player, be it Chase or Sword, to the team, um, which is only going to 
you know, entice people further. You've got your franchise quarterback in Burrow. You've got the New Jerseys. I think everyone's feeling quite excited about the team now. And that's very, that shows you the, the power of sort of comms, PR, mm. marketing, whatever you want to very call it, so. yeah, yeah. as to how you can sort of re-engage the fan base and mm. get people excited about the upcoming season because frankly you know if you could add, if you could just add some wins alongside that and get the Bengals above 500 next year I think Cincinnati would be um, a very exciting and frockous place to be on game day I mean we've seen it in the past right you know big playoff games we've seen it on on video when you know they made their two playoff runs that stadium was what was like Riverfront what was Riverfront Stadium then um, was absolutely rammed and going nuts. The whole city was going nuts. So it is there. That it is there. It just has, has to be tapped into. And people may, as you say, people might sort of discount the power of uh, social engagement and all the rest of it. But it does help to keep the uh, the uh, the fans excited and interested and and. As it says in the title, engage. You know, you've got the ring of honor. That can be something to be yeah, debated over every season, yeah. every off season, yeah. which is a great thing. Yeah, you've got the new kit launch. You know, you've got the draft coming up. It's all pretty exciting stuff. But you know what? Um, it has to be sort of dovetailed with with wins on on the field. And um, let's hope they can. You know, Zach and the team can fulfil their end of the bargain. You know, that's that's obviously the plan. Because if they do get into the playoffs again, and if they do, you know, make a run, uh, I tell you what, there's it's going to be nuts, isn't it? Let's face it. Yeah, no, absolutely, fully agree. Um, just one question before we get to Dave. Um, you know, I think we both had this conversation, both on the podcast and privately, um, and whenever anybody asks us why we started supporting the Bengals, it was generally speaking, because of the uniforms, right? I mean, we remember the, you. It was for you, it was the Carson Palmer team. For me, it was the Boomer team. And it was the helmets. It was the, uh, they looked different. They looked exciting. And um, they really played a big part in, in us, uh, Nathan and I, that is. And I'm sure lots of you out there uh, to choosing the team that you wanted to support. And I just wonder, here's a question. Do you think young people who have never seen an NFL game in their life looking for a team to support, and if they see these new uniforms, do you think they'll have the same effect as they, the old ones did on us? That's a good question, really good question. Um, probably yes. I mean, I think that is something, especially when you're a young kid as well, that really does play into your psyche with stuff. Like which, you know, what, what are the best colours? What are the animals? You know, what does the actual like team represent is it a tiger is it a lion is it a you know whatever and i do think that that will play a big part in it if the jerseys are seen to be attractive and um mirror a certain thing and you're a young impressionable kid just watching it on the tv or playing madden or whatever it might be that will, will absolutely come into the decision making process you know if you've got really ugly weird uniforms you're probably not gonna attract as many fans just as simple as that so I, I absolutely agree. I think it will. And I think the other thing as well, in this age we live in now, not to sound myself like an old man, but um, 
the game now is moving so much towards younger people with video games, TikTok, video content, social media platforms. And that's something else that if you're a younger fan on these platforms that they're going to be taking notice of, like who's doing the, you know, the best viral video content, who's doing the most, you know, the funniest memes and stuff like memes and stuff like that on social. And I, I think whether we like it or not, that younger generation now. That's who they're trying really to hit, becoming, right? That's who they're trying to Exactly. And yeah. that's what a lot of the media and stuff is, that you know, tiered towards. And, you know, you look at me and you were saying about some of the guys, that have, the fans that have been invited up to Paul Brown Stadium, they really have gone for the sort of some of the younger, more sort of influencers um, that are Bengals fans. And it's interesting to see that sort of, shift towards you know the more modern sort of way of um marketing and promoting the team so mm. yeah absolutely agree and i think like you said the the jerseys will play an integral part in um in really sort of onboarding fans in the potentially next 17 years to come absolutely well uh, congratulations bengals uh, on a fantastic launch lots of great social videos uh, they got chad up and they had tj hushon today and uh, lots of inspiring content makes you feel really good to be a Bengals fan really proud to be a Bengals fan and of course the actual uniforms themselves look like uh, yeah just look great so uh, congrats to them Uh, but now uh, after all that fun and the respite it's back to the draft I'm sorry but it has to be talked about Uh, let's bring in Dave Lapham so here we go, making his annual appearance on Cincinnati. It's always a pleasure, always a privilege. It is the man, the legend, Dave Lapham. Dave, how you doing, man? Well, it's great to uh, great to be with you on your podcast and and uh, connecting with all the great fans over in England. And uh, here we go, 2021. It'll be better than 2020. Anything's better than 2020, right? Oh, yes, I think so. I think so. I mean... As you probably know, this country has been in lockdown since uh, December, so we're just emerging from hibernation. And uh, let's hope, as you say, 2021 is much better than uh, 2020. Um, it's been quiet around Paul Brown Stadium this off-season, hasn't it, really? <laughs> you know, it was incredible. Uh, the year 2020, I never – I didn't meet any of the new coaches – didn't meet any of the players that were that were drafted or signed in free agency. We could never go in the locker room uh, from as a media representative. So the only interaction we had was like, you know, on Zoom and uh, virtual pressers and that sort of thing. Never have uh, had a face to face meeting or shook the hand of any of these uh, any of these new play- players or coaches to the organization. It was the weirdest year ever. Mm. Could only go to the broadcast booth and uh, and that was it broadcast booth in the automobile and, and head home didn't travel to any of the road games uh we did we did all the games from paul brown stadium road or or home uh, from our broadcast booth and and worked off the television feed so it was difficult. it was it was an interesting time and i must say you and dan did an absolutely terrific job um with you're, you wouldn't have known. You would not have known that you were working from TV feeds or weren't able to go to uh, away games or whatever. You would not know. That's how good you and Dan's work were over the past season. So thank you for that. Well, I appreciate that very much, Paul. Coming from you, that's uh, that's a huge compliment. I appreciate it. Um, 
Yeah. How how delighted would will you be to say goodbye to Zoom meetings when you finally get to uh, to get into the press room and the locker room and all that? You, 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 I bet you're counting down the days when that can happen, right? Yeah, I really am. But now now the uh, the union is is, uh, is is proposing to not have any uh, mini camps uh, to do everything virtual. They, they found that the virtual was successful in their minds. Uh, they didn't expose any players to injury. They set all kinds of records offensively with performances this past season. So the level of play was really good. And so just like in all other businesses, you know, I, I feel sorry for commercial real estate agents. Uh, there's all kinds of office space available because people are working from home and may never go back to an office. You know, they found that it can work. So even in, in the most trying times, you always find things that might be a better way to a uh, uh, better way to operate. And and the NFL, no exception. I think I think some of this Zoom stuff is going to be around for a long time. Mm, you say that through absolute gritted teeth, there, Dave. <laughs> Listen, we like to get Dave on every year because it is draft season. Dave's fantastic at breaking things down. There's so much chat noise around social media and team Saul and team chase and and i think it can for some fans who aren't invested in this kind of the discussion about the minutiae of, of arm length and 40 speeds and all the rest of it, it can be quite overwhelming um obviously i'm going to ask you whether you're team Saul or team chase but i'm i think it's to me if we draft either Saul or Chase, which it seems likely to happen at five, if they're, you know, it might be a straight choice, right? So we're going to get a great player either with Saul or Chase, right? Uh, But to me, it's more about the positions in this draft. And do you agree that the wide receiver and the offensive line are the top two positions of need? I do. I think uh, I think there's three three areas of need in my opinion. Um, the two that you mentioned and an edge rush, Ed, edge rush guy. I'd like to add another one there. They signed Hendrickson obviously in free agency, and they went one for one. Lawson moves on to the Jets, and Hendrickson becomes a Bengal. So I, I would like to see them at some point, you know, add an edge rush guy. Uh, but the wide receiver, offensive line for sure. I'm in agreement with you there, Paul. And the good news is that this draft, the depth is good at all three of those position groups, even into the third and fourth round. I think they can get a player that can help them. So um, my, in my estimation, with, uh, with three needs, areas of need like that, in a perfect world, in a Christmas draft for me, if the Bengals could trade back from five and, and have, okay, we've got, We've got three players that we still target as being worthy of a top 10 pick. Don't necessarily trade out of the top 10 or out of the top 12 or whatever it may be and, and make sure that you're still going to get a quality player. And then if you can add another second round pick and then and that would give them four picks in the first 68 selections of the draft with their own third round choice. Mm. They can pick up two and, and, and double down on one of those areas of need. But with that said, if that doesn't happen, if there's, it always takes a partner, obviously. And the interesting draft this year is that the first four selections could all be quarterbacks. Mm. So 
if the, if there's a team that says we want that fifth quarterback, we have to trade up to number five. It looks like make sure we get it. The Bengals are in good position. If if uh, if a team wants to trade up and make sure they get Pitts at tight end, for example, <laughs> uh, first uh, player that's not a quarterback in the draft, and they don't have to trade back that far to do so. Uh, you know, I think there's I, I think there'll be some phone calls there, but I wouldn't do it just to do it. I I'd, I'd make sure that if I don't trade back too far, because, you know, you're with the fifth player in this year's draft, like we've talked about, could be four quarterbacks, though, one through four. So you're going to get a quality player. Bengals aren't needed need a quarterback, obviously, with Joe Burrow. So they're in good position to take mm. the player in the draft that's not a quarterback mm. by their board and by need. So, um, you know, they're, they're in a good spot. But I, I almost every round, the fact that they draft so early, Paul, like last year, they drafted first, unfortunately. They don't want to do that again. They don't want to be in the top five again, but they paid a price the last two years, but they, they're in position in these drafts to take advantage. Every every round, they may get teams calling to trade back, you know, and and I, I would say if I don't have to trade back too far and I've got multiple players on my board that I'd be happy with, get, I can pick up an extra second or third or fourth round pick. I think about doing it because there still are multiple needs. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we've been talking, me and Nathan have been talking about on the podcast, the dream would be to kind of trade back and still be able to pick up those quality linemen or wide receivers or whatever it might be. Um, one discussion that's been really interesting with me, and I, and I wanted to ask you this question, Dave, is positional value. Uh, you know, obviously the, the argument and the discussion has been, Saul or Chase, Chase or Saul. But again, it comes down to me, what's more valuable to a team? Is it an offense? Is it is it a potentially generational offensive lineman or is it a potential superstar wide receiver? Now, me, like other people, have listened to you on with Dan on the Bengals Booth podcast. You quoted Paul Brown a few times saying that the best way to build a football team, a successful football team, is to build from the outside, sorry, the inside out. Um, but then you look at somewhere like PFF, who is kind of quite adamant that that that, that it's kind of shifted from the positional value, the positional value from offensive line to wide receiver. A wide receiver is more important than a than an offensive lineman. I mean, where do you go with this? It's you can go around in different ways, go around in circles. Where do you stand on positional value? Yeah, I, I think you can, Paul. I think you can uh, you can make a good case for either either select in today's National Football League in particular. And the fact that Chase and Burrow already have a working relationship. And 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 let's face it, uh, if if we don't think that Joe Burrow had input into the acquisition of Thaddeus Moss when they picked him up from the Washington Redskins at tight end. Um, and, and they, they combined in that national championship game for uh, season, I should say for almost 50 receptions, over 500 yards, four touchdowns. They, they obviously had a connection, but Chase and Joe Barrow were just unbelievable. I mean, you know, 20 touchdowns that season, almost 1800 yards, whatever it was that season. I mean, those guys have a connection. And they, they know what each other's about. They know each other's work ethic. They, you know, there's that familiarity. So, you know, that Joe Burrow is, is definitely putting a word in to, uh, to hook him back up again with, with Chase and understandably so. But 
he can't um, argue with the fact that look at his injury. I mean, we want to protect him a little bit better than that to get him high load in the pocket by a couple of defensive linemen, like what happened when he, he blew his knee out. And, and to me, you know, it's when the Bengals had their great teams, when we went to the Super Bowl twice in the 80s, Anthony Munoz was the left tackle. When the Bengals went to the playoffs five years in a row, when Marvin Lewis was head coach, Andrew Whitworth was the left tackle. Those are the two best left tackles in franchise history. And I don't think it's coincidental that those were some of the best teams in franchise history. And uh, and I'm not obviously the wide receivers were great too, but to give to have for them to have an opportunity to work, produce, it's the offensive line. It's like chicken or the egg. What comes first? If the offensive line doesn't perform well, it doesn't matter what the hell they're doing out there at receiver and quarterback. They're not having enough time. That's why, you know, to me, if you draft a, a generational tackle like you think Sewell may be, um, he's going to play 70 snaps a game. No, you know, no matter what. In the NFL today, cornerbacks and tackles play 70 snaps a game. I'm, I'm just saying that's the average. They're going to play just every single snap, barring injury, of course. Depending on formations and all that sort of thing, it's not necessarily quite the same for, for the wide receiver position. But, um, you know, Sewell or somebody like Sewell can make Joe Mixon better, make Joe Burrow better, can make the receivers better. You know, they can kind of make everybody better because if you're not operating well enough up front, I mean, look what happened to the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. That's the latest example of it. When their offensive line fell apart, it didn't matter. Kyrie killed and, you know, Kelsey and Mahomes and all these weapons didn't have time to operate. You know, their Mahomes is running around uh, like Ben Gazzara running for his life, you know, and uh, <laughs> it, it didn't matter what those guys were doing down the football field. So I guess that's why that still puts me in, in team Sewell a little bit, but I would not, if they drafted chase, I would not have a major problem. They better draft that tackle in the with that 38th pick or 35th pick or whatever it is, they better draft him, they better draft a tackle there or an offensive lineman of some sort, you know, to beef up that old line, I think. I'm exactly with you. I'm, 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 I have one and a half feet in team Saul, but I'd be equally thrilled with Chase because he's a, he looks like a fantastic player. Um, let's talk names real quick, Dave. You mentioned, I mean, the depth of the tackle, uh, class this year seems to be pretty good. Uh, so if you don't, if you do, because I think the Bengals will go. Personally, I think the Bengals may go chase over Saul if there was a choice. Yep. I don't know whether you agree with me on that. Just because of their history, they love taking. Mike Brown loves skill players. Uh, I think I think they do value wide receivers very highly. The last wide receiver we took that high was AJ Green, so they're not afraid to to take a wide receiver that high. Um, so that's my feeling. But apart from Saul, if we do trade down, for instance, there's going to be Slater and uh, Darisor and Vera Tucker, although he's a guard, isn't he? Um, Tevin Jenkins, Dylan Radden, Samuel Cosme, Leatherwood, Eichenberg, Christian. So, you know, you could go down the line. Any particular names that you like out of those guys that isn't Panay Saul? Well, you know, I think you're, I think you're hitting on a lot of them. Um, you know, and, and Cosme, the kid from Texas, uh, is is getting getting a little bit of play. Um, yeah, I th I think 
if they, if they don't draft, I don't think Slater, Slater's not going to be around. Sewell and Slater are going to be gone in the, in the first round. Mm. But in the second round, would, would Cosme be there? Uh, Walker Little from Stanford would probably be there. Uh, Redunds from uh, North Dakota State, second, into maybe even into the early third round. Mm. Uh, James Hudson out of Cincinnati, a third rounder. Uh, Leatherhead, uh, I should say Leatherwood uh, from Alabama. Uh, first or second, early second round guy, mm. Jackson, and the kid from uh, Fairfield High School here in Cincinnati that went to Clemson. People think he might be available early in the third round potentially for the Bengals. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of options, and it, it is interesting. Like you said, AJ Green, uh, first round wide receiver, Eddie Brown, Tim McGee. You can you know hit a lot of uh, a lot of receivers that they had success with in the first round. But what about second round receivers? Mm. Uh, Collinsworth uh, was a was a, a second round receiver. Chad Ochocinco was a second round receiver. They 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 you know had success in this in the second round as well. So to me, again, like we said before, Paul, if I, I would I would definitely since they addressed defense so much in free agency, a lot of the free agents that they got was successfully done to beef up the defense. I, I would not have a problem with them going offensive line and wide receiver either way in the first two selections of the draft. Do you think um, it's too early to say, I keep uh, people tend to kind of jump on free agency, the first wave, the second wave and uh, kind of make, kind of make a judgment on where this team is, whether we're a better team or not. And we can only really tell that until the draft is over. You know, they may go by, back and sign a bunch of guys on, on bargains when the roster cuts come in June. Right. So you can't really judge whether this team is going to be better or not. But do you get a sense they're going in the right direction? I mean, I think there's there's enough there to to make us excited, really. I do think they're they're going in the right direction. They've they've overhauled that roster. I'll tell you what the last two you know, years in free agency to spend over hundred million dollars each year in free agency is a statement. And and it's uh, the roster's definitely been been overhauled. Um, but you look at the division Cleveland just, you know, they signed Clowney. They have the first pick in the draft as bookend uh, defensive ends now. You know, I mean, that's that's absolutely crazy. Um, but is that is that another argument for going quality offensive line early? I think, in my mind, in, in that division in the AFC North, with uh, with Baltimore historically, you know, playing great defense, Pittsburgh with T.J. Watt and people that they've got able to rush the passer, and now Cleveland with bookend uh, defensive ends, uh, Clowney and Miles Garrett. I mean, uh, it, it, there's, a, there's a need. I mean, you better, you, better be, you better be solid up front. There's no question about that. Um, so that's, I think that's another, another fair point. Uh, you, you have to uh, – you, you, first thing you have to do is compete in your division. That's the first thing you have to worry about. Because you play those teams twice, so I think I think there is a there is a factor there uh, that you have to tilt your draft toward being able to compete and compete well within your division. Um, we'll wrap this up in a minute, Dave. I just wanted to go over perhaps a, 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 an unspoken area of the team that they might address. With Geo going, do you think they might look at running back or? They might look at linebacker. I mean, uh, tight end. Anything? Any of those position groups that you're expecting a a lower round pick there? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't shock me that they if they would uh, bring another running back into the mix, but I think they were pretty pretty happy with what um, Samaje P. Ryan gave him. You know, I thought he played pretty well. I think that he showed he could catch the football. He was pretty solid in blitz pickup. Uh, he's he's obviously the number two guy, but it wouldn't it would not uh, stun me whatsoever if they uh, if they drafted a, a running back at some point in the draft, and I don't think it would be very high. Um, yeah, the linebacker, I think whatever your definition of uh, – it would be an outside linebacker. It's, it, in my mind, it's that hybrid guy. Whatever mm. the, that edge, edge guy is, if it's not a defensive end, and it doesn't have to be, it's an outside linebacker that can really bring the heat, you know, be a, be a quality pass rush guy. I would uh, – I, I, I could see them doing that fairly early. Um, but I think they're okay with that inside linebacker. They've, they've drafted to, to take care of that. Not to say that, uh, I mean, they've got, they have picks to address just about every position. I don't think you'll see any safeties drafted. Mm. You may, you may see a cornerback drafted late. I don't think that's going to be very high. Obviously, uh, they've, they've redone that position group and free agency over the last couple of years. They redid it and they redid it again. Uh, so, um, I, I think, I think a couple of positions that are quarterback won't, won't be heavily addressed. Often. Uh, safety won't be heavily addressed. There are positions that that won't get much attention at all. They could take a look at a tight end at some point in time in the draft as well, but I don't think I don't think it's going to be very high. Mm. Okay, so just give us a couple of names that you like at uh, this any position that you've got your eye on that you you're happy to disclose at this point because I know look that you like to. Do a few podcasts with Dan and, and Lance in the in the build up, you know, week to go before the draft. But any anyone that's catching your eye that you've got an eye on? Um, I mean, I I obviously I I would like to see them. Uh, Sewell obviously I think has some has some some talent at that at that tackle position. From an edge rush standpoint, a couple of guys that I really like. I like Quiddy Pay from Michigan. Mm-hmm. I like him a lot. I think. Really good player. I think uh, Jalen Phillips from Miami is a really good player as well. You know, if they could somehow, if they traded back, I would not, I would not be terribly uh, upset if if they traded back and they got those guys in the first round and then addressed a offensive line or or receiver with a second round pick and and then address the other position with the other second round pick if they trade back. Mm. That's what I mean. They trade back. And and say, all right, well, we got another offensive lineman we we feel good about. We have another receiver we'd feel good about at that level, staying in the top fifteen. But there are a couple of edge guys we feel good about in the top fifteen as well. And if it's Crudy Pay and Phillips, if they get one of those guys and they pick up an extra second round pick, and they've got the high, you know, both of them in the in, in the top half of the second round, and they can address that with an offensive lineman and a receiver. To me, that's Christmas. That's Christmas morning, mm. big time. Um, we'll let you go now, Dave. Um, just two very quick questions. He, uh, from what you've seen of Panay Saul, do, does he? He's been compared to Anthony Munoz, I guess, because of his size and his athleticism. Right? Uh, you played with Anthony. Um, do you see those comparisons? I think comparing anybody, and I may be, <laughs> but I think comparing any anybody to Anthony Munoz is so unfair to that player, <laughs> but uh, I, I, he's, he doesn't have the length that Anthony does and his, his arms aren't, aren't real long. 
In fact, it's amazing. All, all the better offensive linemen in this year's draft are not long guys. They don't have tremendous length in their, in their arms, which, you know, can be, can be problematic. But I, I can see the comparisons with uh, Sewell to Anthony in terms of sweet feet. I mean, they move like guys that, you know, they, they move like 210-pound wide receivers. They have, they're so smooth and fluid and athletic with, with their footwork. And they have, they have tremendous balance and, uh, and they've got, you know, explosion, hip snap, power, all of those things. I, I think I, I can see from a, a raw physical standpoint, you know, that, uh, that how, how they make some of those comparisons. But Anthony Munoz checked every box you'd ever want to imagine. I mean, if you came up with uh, boxes that nobody's heard of, he still checks them. And, and to think that Penny Stool can do that is, uh, is, is a very high, high thought and hope, that's for sure. Mm. And finally, when you get your place on the Ring of Honor, can we come and celebrate with you in Cincinnati? <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that, would be a, that would be an unbelievable honor if it were to happen. Um, you know, it's a, it's a celebration for sure. I, I'm, I'm very happy that they're, they decided to go with the Ring of Honor and Paul Brown and Anthony Munoz are are in that's a celebration of greatness and excellence right there. Um, two of the two of the best at their respective uh, uh, positions in all of football. Paul Brown, not the greatest head coach, it doesn't take long to have roll call. That's for sure. And the same thing with Anthony Munoz at the tackle position. So they're both in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Two guys that lead off the Ring of Honor. It's uh, it's it's. I think it's I think it's great. It's great for everybody involved. And there's nothing wrong with celebrating. You know the greatness that uh, mm. that, that the franchise has experienced. I agree, and it's uh, weirdly for such a strange, dangerous time. It's been quite exciting this off season with the Ring of Honor, the new jerseys, um, all that kind of stuff, and then the draft coming up. So it's been exciting. Dave, we love you, man. I mean, you're great every time you come on. Thank you so much for the support as ever, and stay safe over there. And we will speak to you soon. Thank you. Paul, thank you for everything you do. Uh, you're a you're a true fan, and uh, we love we love all the uh, all the people that you, that you work with over in England. Bengal fans over there, and it's 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 exciting. I mean, we played over there in Europe to see the support that generate with uh, with all of all the fans that uh, congregate with you. It's it's an amazing thing. There we go. That was Dave Lapham. Uh, I hope you enjoyed Dave there. Uh, we always enjoyed Dave. Um, there's a lot of him to go around. And um, uh, he's plentiful in spreading his, his large sprays of love. And um, <laughs> anyway. Bloody hell stuff. Yeah. Uh, no, Dave was fantastic. And it's, it's always interesting because um, I think we're both talking about the prospect of trading down and how that would give us extra picks and allow us to still to pick quality at the top of each round, uh, but just more of them. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, he, he describes it. If you know if they could trade down and get a couple of extra picks, that would be like Christmas and maybe some picks next year. I don't disagree with him, really. No, I agree. I mean, I was I was quite um, passionately talking about this a couple of weeks ago. I think if there was a good offer on the table for the Bengals and they could move back, maybe not too far, but maybe to sort of, you know, with it sort of inside the top 15 still and pick up a second, maybe a late pick next year or whatever it might be. Um, I think that would be an excellent move for them because there's going to be some very, very good players 
Mm. Um, in that top 15, obviously on the offensive line, you'd say Rashawn Slater would be the guy that you'd probably be thinking about if you move back into that sort of range that you'd hope to be able to get. But And there's obviously three very talented receivers with Chase, um, Jalen Waddle, and Devonta Smith knocking about. He, any one of those three guys would be a fantastic addition to um, the Bengals and give them a bit of extra speed, a bit of extra versatility there. So, plus you'd have a, another second rounder. So, you know, you could use that potentially to go in. Yeah, exactly. So you could use that pick to go, you know, pick up an extra edge rusher in round two, certainly address the offensive line if you hadn't done that with the pick that you got. So, yeah, and it also gives you some ammunition. If you've got two second round picks and, you know, you've taken that guy um, at, say, 12, we're just going to say the Bengals have traded back to 12, you picked up maybe a Rashawn Slater at 12, what you always forget the option here is if you've got two second round picks and it towards the end of the first round, there's a guy that you particularly like that's sort of in the, you know, 29, 28, you could package those two second rounders up and trade your way back into the first round. You can be creative with how you sort of do mm. some of this stuff. And I think the Bengals, we all know there are some real gaps there. We're not a team that is probably going to be competing for the Super Bowl realistically this year. We've still got a bit of stuff to, that needs to sort of come together. There are some gaps at linebacker. There's gaps on the um, the defensive line. Um, there's obviously gaps on the offensive line. So there's quite a few positions that we need to fill. Mm. And I think if you could pick up some quality players there by just trading back a bit, like it's not like we need one wide receiver in Jamar Chase and that's going to get us over the hill and we're going to compete this year and it's a luxury pick. And we can just go best player available. We're very much pigeonholed here into picking the best player, um, you know, an offensive lineman or a wide receiver, you know, because we didn't pick up any wide receivers in free agency. Mm, Um, We didn't really address the offensive line, I think, as much as people would have hoped for. So uh, if we could pick up some extra picks for it and there's a team desperate for, you know, a, a Fields or a Trey Lance that's, you know, fallen down a bit, maybe Mac Jones, whoever it might be. I think it would be a very, very smart move from the Bengals. Um, and I wouldn't rule it out. You know, Dave's been very accurate in the past, and I think the Bengals would strongly consider it. Yes, although he did say he was Team Saul. So if, if Panay Saul did come up, um, he's going to take him. So anyway, it's very interesting. It's just over a week, the draft, and um, yeah, it's... <laughs> We've got one more show to go before the draft. You'll be thanking your lucky stars. Uh, But we do have Joe Goodbury on next week. Um, So that's something to look forward to. Anyway, let's get to it. Today really is about the uniform. Let's get to our correspondence. We are, of course, at Huday underscore UK on Twitter. Bengals UK on Facebook. So uh, do come and say hello over the coming days and weeks. Let us know. What you think about the draft? Let us know who you'd pick, who you got your eye on, uh, and uh, then of course we've uh, got the draft itself, and we'll announce what we're doing uh, next week. So anyway, right, Moz at Mozar ninety two. All the kits look ace, very clean, and still has that Bengals distinctiveness. Nice to not have any Saul versus Chase debate at every turn for a change. Even if it only lasts 24 hours. Who day? Who day to you, Moz? Jamie at Trequart Beaster. Those unis are so, so, so orange, like David Dickinson or Dale Winton levels. I'm in love. Uh, not quite clear whether he means um, with the jerseys or with David or Dale. Uh, for our American listeners, do 
uh, Google David Dickinson and Dale Winton uh, if you want to. You know, you don't have to. They're basically two TV presenters who are very orange. Uh, right, Rob Hill at 3003Rob. I like the uniforms. I never really liked the side panels, so I'm glad they've gone. I really like the orange one from a playing perspective, but couldn't see me wearing it. The black is lovely, though, and the white is also really good. It'll be a toss-up between these two for a purchase. Well, do let us know, uh, Rob, and we want to see pictures as well. So get him over. Um, Andy Colina at Colina UK. I mean, they are like the difference between 2 and 14 and 4, 11 and 1. I think, I think Andy's trying to be sarcastic there. Um, at the, the, the bottom of that, though, the, I think the, the, the point is a good one. The Bengals better step up on the field. That's the next step, right? Isn't it, Nathan? Are you still there? Bloody hell. <laughs> so I, I wasn't sure if you were prompting me there, Sam. Oh, I thought okay. I was, sometimes you just go on to the next question, but I was if you want me to chime in, I'm more than welcome to. All right, all right. Here, well, I do for the next one. Andrew Dockerell at Dockers77. The bang, In inverted commas, the Bengals will draft wide receiver, defensive line, offensive tackle, and offensive guard by A, round four, B, round five, C, round six or seven, or D, they won't draft all four. How about that? Round six or seven, I'm saying. I think they will get two people on the offensive line, but I think if they take a tackle or a guard in rounds one or two, I think they'll probably leave it fairly late in the draft, like a sixth or seventh rounder to get the second one. I think... I'd, yeah, I'd be surprised if they double-dipped on the offensive line earlier than that. Um, I'm going early. I am going early. You see, yeah, what, you, what round are you saying in the sun? Like well, it's, it's ob- yeah, I'm going round four. It's obviously going to be offensive tackle or wide receiver rounds one and two, right? I think that's fairly nailed down. They might surprise you. Soon horrible there. Do you not think it's a bit horrible that they're sort of like nailed into that though? Do you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah, but the point, the point is round, that... First, first round, you're, you've got the control a bit because it's going to be four, probably four quarterbacks or, you know, at worst, you're going to have one skill position player go in front of you. But when you're in the second round and you've got all sorts of geezers knocking about on the balls, some might have fallen down, some might have done whatever. If you've got a really good player, like Dave was talking about, Quitty Pay from Michigan, if someone like him fell into the second round for some reason because of some sort of concern and you're sat there and you're in a position where you have to take an offensive tackle like Leatherwood or whoever else, but actually pay was a much better value prospect on your your board. You know, like you had him as a sort of top first rounder. You don't want to feel like you have to take Leatherwood. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I I think the point is with this draft, where the Bengals are picking are sweet spots for their needs as well, or at least it looks like. So, for instance, you know, we need an offensive, a, a quality, uh, elite offensive lineman, right? That's what we really could do with. But we also need a quality, uh, you know, elite wide receiver. And it just so happens that at number five, we may have, we may get the choice of uh, an elite or potentially elite offensive lineman and, uh, and wide receiver um so i think if we i, I get what you mean because it it reeks of that billy price thing where we left ourselves yeah. with an absolute need for center when we've taken care yeah. of everything else in free agency 
and there was there was one glaring hole and that was center and it was yeah. obvious to everyone who we were going to pick or at least what position we were going to pick I mean, yeah. what were the choices? Billy Price, Frank Ragnar, James Daniels. We went for Price. Didn't quite work out yet. Who knows what Billy will do this year. But, yeah, I, I get what you mean. But I'm more comfortable with it this year with the players available and where they're going to be available at, I think. so. Um, but, anyway, Nathan, Nathan and I will give you our picks. We, we Maybe we'll try and do a ideal pick scenario for us uh, next week. Rosie at Rosie underscore May 16. Love the uniforms. Very clean looking. Really love the stripes on the trousers. If only I could afford to buy them all. Loving the jungle theme photo shoot with the throne too. Fired up for next season. I think we all are, Rosie. Um, and of course, the, the jerseys are um, available to order now on the NFL UK shop. And just had a... A message from UK uh, American Sports Store, which is at UKASSNI. They uh, are open for orders as well, but do expect them, you know, to to come to you by the end of May, basically. Although Helen Sterling, Helen Sterling, has just said uh, there are no women's jerseys being stocked at the moment, which is pretty uncool, uh, I have to say. Anyway, that's about your lot for this week. Um, hope you enjoyed the show. Big, huge thanks to Dave Lappin. It really, genuinely, he's been with us more or less right from the start and uh, his support is always uh, appreciated. It's always great to catch up with Dave. And uh, thanks to everyone uh, who wrote in and corresponded with us. Hope that uh, you're all excited because of the uniforms. We certainly are. And uh, and I hope that uh, you're excited because they're draft, because it's not far to, to go now, which is, you know, thank God, all this talk is over, and then we can get back to playing first and ten and Diddy Darius and the name game and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, until we speak to you next week, and remember we do have Joe Goodbury on. Uh, it is a day for me. And a day for me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.